started a new sermon series called Walking It Out. And how do we walk it out when t- life gets tough? How do you walk it out when life gets tough? How do you maintain faith? How do you move to the next level when life gets tough? I thought about naming it when life sucks, but seems to lack some air of spirituality to it. Um, but, uh, and I actually felt a little bit strange talking about this, um, this particular topic, because right now, my life is grand. I, I love my life. You know, I'm not one of those afraid that I'll, I'll jinx it if I say how, how great things are right now. Uh, I'm super happy with my life. Um, life is good, and I'm excited that life is good. I'm, I'm honored that life is good. I've got an amazing wife, and she loves me, and I love her, and, and I even like, we like hanging out together even, which is sometimes two different things. Um, I've got amazing kids, uh, and they're, they're incredible. I've got incredible parents. My parents are here supporting me like they have for my entire life. And I, I love my job. I love the things that are going on uh, where I'm working. I happen to belong to the most incredible church in Orlando. Um, so, uh, and I live in the greatest country in the world. You know, I, I know it's going, getting a little political on you. So, so I started thinking, why would I feel led to speak about this when, when things are so good right now for me. I mean, uh, and, and again, I don't feel like I'm gonna jinx myself by saying that, I just don't believe in such things, but what would, would cause me to feel led to share this particular topic? And I think one thing is, is because we've all experienced it. Um, you know, that no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, at some point we've experienced uh, some tough times of life and, and things have been a challenge. Um, and another reason is, is that if, let's say you're the one person in here that's never had a hard day in your life, um, I would like to meet you first of all, but if you are in that, that, that state right now where you've really never had any hard times, you will. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you will go through difficult times. There will be struggles. The Bible talks more about, Jesus said more about when storms arise, when trouble occurs, when persecution happens, all of these types of things. And it's, uh, it's going to happen. Times are going to get hard. Things are going to get tough. And it is, it is imperative that you are ready um, and your faith is ready for such times. But I think the real reason that I really wanted to, to, to talk about this subject because Walking it out is just, that's my heart. That's where it is. People remaining in the faith. You can't have a conversation or spiritual conversation with me for very long without me talking about people remaining in the faith, people staying in the faith, because you know that if you've poured into people and they leave the faith or they lose faith, it's devastating. It's devastating to you, and it's certainly devastating to them. And so people remaining in the faith is like my ultimate Life goal, the ultimate thing that I do when it comes to spiritual thinking. We have people in, in this church that have an incredible gift of evangelism, like their absolute heart, all their gifting, everything is to go out and to try to win the lost, that people would be saved, that they would go from those that do not believe and become those that do believe. And I am so thankful that we have people that have that gift. Um, don't get me wrong, I do want to see that. I'm not that bad, but my... But my gifting is that once they're, my desire is that once they're saved, that they would stay saved, that they would remain in the church, that they would remain faithful, that no matter how difficult times are, no matter how bad the struggle is, that they would be able to remain faithful. 
uh, and that they would be able to do that. So how do we do that? Um, you know, I think we have a couple of obstacles that we have to go through that we have to kind of overcome as well. Some of the most popular teachings in the church today, uh, they're called the prosperity gospel. You know, uh, the wealthiest, some of the wealthiest churches, some of the, the largest churches all have, uh, you know, not all of them, but many of them do this prosperity gospel thing. They have this name it and claim it, uh, you know, blab it and grab it sort of theology that is in no way biblical. And it is, it is difficult to overcome uh, such a teaching. And what, the, what this particular teaching would do is that it would tell you that if you accept Jesus, if you come to know Jesus, if you embrace the gospel of Christ, well, he comes with a whole bunch of stuff, that you're going to get stuff, that you're going to, that if you accept Jesus, if you know Jesus, then you will get some stuff. You will uh, be physically healthy, and you will be um, financially wealthy, and you will be mentally and emotionally stable, and it is just absurd. It's nowhere in the Bible. It's not there, and you can't find it. You know what you get? If you accept Jesus, you get Jesus. Jesus is the good news, and you have to come to the place in your, in your faith where you recognize that Jesus is enough. Jesus is the good news. Now, I do believe that, that God will bless us and that there are blessings, and sometimes those things, it might be things, but that is not the promise. The promise is Jesus, and that he will be in your life, that he is enough, that he is good enough, and that he will reward you by restoring you to his father. That is what you get when you get Jesus, and it is way better than stuff, and it is way better than anything else that you could ask for. That is what we are. That is the gospel. It is Jesus, and, and if you if you're ready for that, if you have that information, if you have that revelation, then when times are tough, uh, it will not be that tough. So let me pray, and then we'll get into some more stuff. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to do this, Lord. I thank you that you have put things in my heart and that you have put things in this church's heart, Lord, that we want to reach people. Father, that we want to grow your kingdom, and Lord, I pray that even today, that your kingdom would be grown, Father, that you would look down and you be, would be pleased with me, Father, that you would be pleased with this church body, and Lord, that your name and your glory would be lifted up. Father, I ask that anybody that's going through a tough time today, that this, this day they would have some hope and that they would be ready to make it to the next day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you already saw my other slides, so I'll go ahead and go there. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I have to really, you know, I know I opened up saying that, you know, life's going to get tough and those kind of things, but I don't really think I have to convince anybody that life gets tough, that there are times when life can be very difficult. And if I do have to convince you, and if I don't have to convince you of that, I probably don't have to convince you that just because you're a Christian, that you're exempted from the difficult times of life, because you're not. Uh, Jesus, again, said, when these things happen, these things will happen be ready. All of the apostles, every apostle, um, it's not really a motivational speech, by the way, died a horrible death. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, was, it was brutal. Nobody, um, not one, uh, survived a glorious life. Only one live, even lived into old age, but he got boiled in oil a couple times. So, um, so we'll talk about that some other time. Um, <clears throat> 
So sometimes this life, our fallen state, will just give you a big pile of crap, and there's nothing, there, there's nothing that we can do to stop it. People get sick, and they die sometimes. Um, people that want and deserve to have children can't have them. People, people's wife, husband or wife, leave them. Um, people lose their jobs. People can't make ends meet financially. Um, and we've all possibly been through those types of things. Then it's a whole nother level when your children start struggling with something. You know, it's bad enough when you get to struggle with it, but if your kids start to struggle, if they start to have times that, that are challenging to them, then, uh, then it's really tough. Our hearts get broken. You know, we think, oh man, I'm in love. I'm a, I got the person that God created since the beginning of the universe for me. And then they break their heart. Um, you're like, well, I hope there's another one out there somewhere. Um, that is where we go. And so, you know, for me, even though life is great right now, just a year or so ago, uh, it was very different for me. Um, I still had a great wife. I still had an amazing family. I still belonged to this great church. God still loved me. I still love God. And yet, my mother-in-law died. Um, you know, and, and it, was, it was a very difficult time for us. Now, it was tough for me. I love my mother-in-law. Um, but it was really tough to watch my wife lose her mother. That was a different um, sort of pain that, uh, that I don't know if I was equipped for or not. Um, but, you know, and she, but she was a Christian, and so I know, yeah, well, we should write down that we're thankful that she is well, she's in the presence of God now and that she is in heaven, and that's great. And I believe that, and I know that. But no matter how excited you are that your parental unit is in heaven, you still want your mom. You still want to be, you still want your dad. And so, <clears throat> um, and so, and then, on top of all that, she suffered the last several years of her life with Alzheimer's. And so to watch her forget everybody, to forget um, my kids, she forgot me pretty quick, um, which is fine, <laughs> but to forget my kids and to forget her children, it was painful. And so there were all these questions that, you know, you can't ask too loudly because, you know, we're in church, we're supposed to be leaders in the church and those type of things, but what was the point of her suffering? What was, what was the reason that she had to suffer that way? Um, and was there a point? Was there anything good that came out of her suffering? So we were hoping and we were praying that maybe some of her lost family members would come to know Christ uh, through this very difficult time in our life, and, um, and that didn't happen. And so there really did not seem to be a point for her suffering. And it was a, it was a tough time of life. And then, um, then the second half of the year, my oldest son, Caleb, um, he was in, he's in this radical, really edgy uh, group at school called the band. And, um, <laughs> and, and he started a struggle. Not a band, the band. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, you know, so, so there, were just, there was just this culture that in, within the band, I mean, good kids, you know, and, and for many people, this wouldn't even have been an issue, um, but you know, he started kind of being saturated with that culture 
which just led to some secretiveness and some, um, you know, some covering things up and, and us not knowing about things. And again, 99.9% of the parents in this world would not have really thought it was that big a deal. But I'll tell you one person that thought it was that big a deal. That was my wife. Um, and, and she began to press in, and, and we just wanted to get through the end of the year so that this could be, so that this could be over. And so at the end of the year came, and we're thankful that, uh, that this, this little influence was, was not in his life anymore. And he went on his first men's encounter, and um, I got to be on that men's encounter, teach a couple, a session or two, and so that was great. And he had a great thing going. He really dug in with the kids here at church, and they began to encourage him, and he would encourage them, and, and it, was, it was awesome. And so he really started moving forward. But then when it was time to go back to school, he didn't want to go back to school. And I know that's not shocking, but he did not want to go back to school like everybody doesn't want to go back to school. I mean, none of my kids wanted to go back to school, but he really didn't want to go back to school. He was devastated at the thought of going back to school. He was, um, he was nearly afraid to go back to school because he might slip backwards. He might uh, fail what, you know, the, he had, might step back on the progress that he had made. And um, so he had this belief that there were no Christians in this school. It was a pretty good-sized public school. I'm like, there are definitely Christians in there. He's like, no, there's not. There's no Christians in this whole school. I'm like, there are Christians. <laughs> there has to be. Um, and so we started searching, and we started just talking about it. And my wife, and the, the funny that the title of, of this month's uh, session is Walking It Out, um, because my wife said that over and over and over again, that we're going to walk out what we know to do, that we're going to walk out um, what we believe, you know, and we, we considered sending them to private school or we considered homeschooling them or just a different school, and all those things were good options, and, and those, all those things are great, but there's one thing that I didn't want to do, and I didn't want to stop doing something because we were afraid. I just don't think that's, I don't think that's the gospel. I don't think that's what Jesus would want. And so I was fine. I'm still fine if we go to a different school. I'm even fine if we homeschool, although he's smarter than all of us, so I don't know what we're going to do. Um, but, um, but I didn't want to end it that way. And so he just kept saying that there's, not, there's no Christians. There's nobody that can help me. There's nobody that can, can help give me strength. And so my wife just kept on saying, well, why don't we, you know, we'll look into Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Well, FCA, we'll, we'll look into that. We'll do all these things, but let's just pray and we'll walk it out. So they went to... You know, we went to band orientation or whatever, and he was, didn't want to go that, to that. And this kid had loved, and still loves, music and loves playing his trumpet and loves those things, and he didn't want to, to go back. And so um, you know, my wife just kept on pouring in and kept on pushing him and kept on. And my, he's not all that chatty either, just a side note. So getting him to talk, uh, I'm like tired before he shares one thing, and Christine is... <laughs> Is just there, just digging deep, and it is. It was. It was awesome to see her um, do that because I'm a real like. Okay, we're going to school. Let's walk it off. You'll be fine. Um, which was not what he needed. Uh, sometimes you need that, and sometimes uh, you don't. And so anyway, they began to pray. And so really, the truth came out one time when my wife asked him, 
Have you asked God? Because he's like, I don't want to go. And she's like, well, sometimes we don't get to do what we want. We got to do what God wants us to do. Have we asked him? And his real heart came out then, and he said, what if I don't hear him? What if I don't hear God? Tell me what to do. And so um, I'm sure none of you have ever had that concern in your lives. But um, so he, so they pray. Um, they pray and they ask God and they go to school and they do some orientation, some band thing, whatever. We're not paying any fees because we don't know what we're doing yet. You know, literally, the school is like a week away and, uh, and we don't know what to do. And so after, um, after they go to this orientation, this day, that day, they go to Tijuana Flats, uh, which we like Tijuana Flats. Um, and so after this prayer, after this orientation, after walking out what they knew to do, they happened to run into Caleb's sixth grade math teacher's husband, which I know that's a little bit of a journey. They happened to run into him, and he started talking to them, and, and they just really started just connecting and those type of things, and he says, Caleb, I just took over FCA. Will you please come to the leadership training thing next week, and will you please be in leadership at FCA? And so... Um, if you walk through these tough times and you can, can get through them and, you know, we don't all have a mom that's going <laughs> to pour in and, and dig in um, like that. But now he knows that there will be an answer. And so now he's been to leadership. He's, he's uh, taught a couple of times um, at FCA and they meet at 6.45 in the morning, so it's kind of a commitment. Um, and he's taught a couple of times, and they've asked him to take a, a heavier leadership role next year, and there's a group of Christians that are there, um, and that, that are there, and he knows now that there are some Christians that are there and to be on his side. And so, I know what my wife did, I know what we did when there was this time, but what do you do when times get hard? What do you hold on to when, when you seem to have no light at the end of the tunnel. What are the things, how do you know, how do you remain? And for my life, it's always been truth. There has to be truth, and you have to understand and come to an understanding of truth, and that truth leads to a faith, and that faith cannot be abandoned. There's always been truths in my life that God has revealed to me or that I have learned or come to know throughout time. And, those, and once you know a truth, you can't abandon that truth. The only thing, you know, it might look pathetic. I mean, there'll be times in your life when your faith is just weak and it is, and you're embarrassed <laughs> that the, 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 the weakness of your faith and you're ashamed and maybe it's tossed to and fro by the wind like the Bible says and that you become weaker at times and then other times you get strong and then there are other times it's just pathetic once again. But one thing it does not do is it does not fail is if you know the truth if you have a truth, um, then you have something to hold on to. My wife had a truth that God would show us something, and he did, and it was awesome. Um, a few weeks ago, like maybe six or seven weeks ago, Pastor Crystal used this scripture that I'm about to go through. It's a, it's a one of Jesus walking on the water, so we'll get to it in a minute. But I've been in church my whole life. I've grown up in church I'm 44, and I have been in church, and I would put my percentage of church attendance up against anybody's, including the pastoral staff. I mean, I have logged some time in church. Uh, weekdays don't count, but um, 
you know, and, and I have logged some time in church, and I have heard this story. Uh, you know, I have heard this story so many times. Um, you know, from when I was little, my parents might have read it to me out of my little kid's Bible, and then as I got older in Sunday school, I hear the big kid's Bible, and then we finally get to the real Bible, and just countless sermons, countless um, countless discussions on this, countless examples on Jesus walking on the water and Peter coming out there for a little while. Um, and one of the things that I love about God and that I love about the Bible is no matter how well you think you know him, how well you think you know his book, he will show you something brand new. And it is awesome. And so I was sitting right over there where I always sit, and Pastor Krista was teaching um, on the supernatural. And God showed me something brand new that I'd never seen before uh, in a scripture that I've heard hundreds, I mean hundreds of times. And, and now I have a brand new truth that I can hold on to. <clears throat> and hopefully in a few minutes you will too. All right, so Matthew 14, I'll read it uh, quickly for us here. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said, Oh yeah, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. Command me to come out onto the water to you. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Uh, there's a couple things that I really want to look at in this passage. Um, I mean, it's an awesome story, you know. Uh, but there's a couple things that I really want to look at is Jesus' expectations, Jesus' expectations were huge. He expected Peter to walk on the water. I mean, I can tell you 12 people that did not expect Peter to walk on the water that were in the boat right then, and 11 guys that were just in shock that Peter was walking on the water. And so Jesus' expectations were huge. They were in the middle of a storm. They were afraid. They were only sort of sure this was Jesus, and yet Jesus expected them to do the things that they were supposed to do, that Jesus expected him to have the faith to walk on the water, so much so that when he stopped walking on the water, Jesus was kind of upset with him. He's like, you have little faith. What is your problem? And so when you are going through tough times, when you are going through tough times, you have to still do the things. You have to continue to do the things that you know that Jesus expects you to do. My wife when her mother uh, was had died or was dying and died, people still came to her and asked for prayer. They came to her and asked for counsel, and she did it. She prayed with people, and she encouraged people, and she would always lift people up. During this time of her own questioning, of her own struggle, of her own doubt, she continued to do these things, and the great thing about Jesus is that he expects something of you, and in turn, you can expect something from him. 
So she's doing these things, she's doing all these things, and we, and she didn't want to do it. I mean, she didn't want to. She's like, I don't, she, every night, not every night, but many nights, she's like, I don't want this person to come over. I don't want to do that. So sorry if you were one of those people and you're offended. <laughs> but she's like, I just don't want to. She was struggling on her own, and yet she did it. She, I don't think she ever turned anyone away that I can remember, and it was amazing. And then because of, ex- of Jesus' expectations of us, our expectations of him were restored when Jesus showed up in a freaking Tijuana Flats and rescued my kid. Amen. And it was awesome. Yeah. And it was incredible. And that's the type of expectations that Jesus has for us and that in turn we can have for him. And the next thing was is beginning to sink. This is my brand new line. This is my brand new truth. Beginning to sink. Anybody in here ever began to sink? I mean, I'm a Florida boy. I mean, in the water. I'm a Florida boy. I have never begun to sink. I don't, you don't sink, you plummet. If, I, if this was water and I stepped off into it, I wouldn't begin to sink. I wouldn't slowly sink, and it wouldn't happen. Beginning to sink, to me, was an extension of Jesus' grace on Peter. Peter had taken his eyes off of him, and he began to sink. To me, that is an incredible truth, that we have this time that when we begin to sink, we can still call out. So I'm, like I said, I'm a Florida boy. I've been, I could swim, I mean, I think before I was two. My dad met my mom teaching her advanced swimming lessons. That sounds like a pickup thing to me, but, um, <laughs> but that's how they met. And so I can swim. You know, I mean, we're strong in the water. And, uh, and, I, and, and not right now in my life, I don't know how to say this tactfully, but I am um, more buoyant than I've ever been. Um, <laughs> And I still don't begin to sink. I plummet underwater. Yeah, sure, I can come back up and I can tread water and those kind of things. But Peter began to sink. I think that's incredible. I think that is unbelievable that Peter began to sink. He, you know, I mean, what else would you do? He's walking on water. And he's, you got to look around. You're like, holy crap, I'm walking on water. And, uh, and then I'm sure he started saying, I am awesome. And that's when it actually happened. But... Um, you know, you walk around, you see that the sea, the winds are boisterous. This is, you know, it's a funny word, I think, for that description. But, you know, and then you lose sight of where you're going and you begin to sink. And that's how hard times, that's how uh, doubt is not overcomable, is because we begin to sink and we don't recognize it, guys. So when you begin to sink, that is when, what did Peter do? He said, Lord, save me. And what does it say? It said, immediately, Jesus reached down and saved them, and then rebuked them for not having enough faith. Um, but immediately, guys, so if you feel yourself beginning to sink, if life gets hard, if times get tough, don't wait till you're treading water. Recognize that you're beginning to sink, and that's when you cry out, Lord, save me, Lord, save me, and then he will immediately begin to do the things that he needs to do in order that you can maintain faith, that you can stay strong when your faith can stay strong when you're weak, that you can continue to move forward when you don't want to, that you can continue to expect great things from God when you don't have a whole lot of feelings, good feelings about it. Um, so beginning to sink is a brand new and beautiful thing in my life. Um, I think one thing that we as Christians do, probably people in general, but we kind of compare our shortcomings. We compare our sins. You know, we'll say, oh, pfft, at least I've never done that. You know, I'm, 
oh, better than him, better than her. Uh, I'm never going to do those. Those are the kind of things that we do. Uh, I don't necessarily, I don't know if it's uh, like a horrible thought in our minds. We just, you know, we're justifying ourselves. We're, we're, uh, we're comparing ourselves uh, or the level of our sin to someone else. And so I wanted to pick something out of the Bible that was so bad that none of us could say, that's, I've done worse than that. Um, and I don't know who's in here. I mean, I don't, I mean, y'all look pretty sane, so I don't think there's uh, any really uh, bad stuff going on here. But, you know, I don't know. You could have been in war. Uh, we might have veterans that were at war. We might, um, you know, I don't know what you've done. Uh, you don't know what I've done, thankfully. Um, but I wanted to pick something. And so this is when Judas betrayed Jesus. While he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent by the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, I would hate for to be labeled as the betrayer in the Bible. Um, the one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and took hold of Jesus and arrested him. But one of those with Jesus grabbed his sword, drew it, and struck the high priest's slave's ear, cutting it off. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place, for all who take hold of the sword will die by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot call on my father and that he would send me more than 12 legions of angels right now? How then would the scriptures say that it must happen this way to be fulfilled? At that moment, Jesus said to the crowd, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me like you would an outlaw? Day after day, I set teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me. But this has happened so that the scriptures of the prophets would be fulfilled and that all this, then all the disciples left him and fled. Have you ever betrayed Jesus? Of course you have, we all have. We all do it regularly. But I don't think we do it with this much fervor, this much boldness. This is a, this is a pretty serious betrayal. Um, up close, personal, um, painful, um, emotional, I don't know how. You know, you, you, you gotta think of Judas. What, what were you thinking? How could you, how could you, I mean, you saw him. They saw Peter and Jesus walking around the water together. They saw, he saw them feed thousands and thousands of people. He's seen miracles. How could Judas do this? And then you always point back to yourself. How could I do this? How could I betray the one that saved me? How could I do this? And so this is pretty bad, but it's not Judas's greatest mistake. Um, the greatest mistake occurred a little bit later um, after this. And it said, now when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus had been condemned, he regretted what he had done and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the coin to the chief priest and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is it? What is that to us? You take care of it yourself. So Judas threw the silver coins in the temple and left. Then he went out and hanged himself. That's the greatest mistake in the entire Bible, is that Judas didn't wait one more day, that he could have waited one more day, and he would have been restored, and he could have been restored. Do you think Jesus would have said, oh no, my grace is not sufficient for you? Do you think he would have said, uh, your sin is too much, the cross could not bear the weight of that sin? Do you think he would have said, nope, I just don't like you, Judas? 
None of those things would have happened because his grace is sufficient. So if, if Judas had just waited one more day, he could have joined the ranks with Peter after his betrayal and been counted as those that are saved. He could have joined Thomas. When Thomas, when Jesus showed up and Thomas is like, I don't believe it's you. And Judas is like, Jesus is like, right here, touch the wounds, touch the pain. He could have been on the road to Emmaus with the other two disciples and seen Jesus. He could have been, maybe, maybe because he was so afraid, he could have been hiding at the cemetery and seeing the two women come and see that the tomb was empty. He could have done that. And that's what it is, guys. If you are beginning to sink, and if you are beginning to struggle, and if your life is tough, then wait one more day. Just wait one more day. One more day, because that is when he will save you. That is when he will reach down and save you. Don't give up on him because he will definitely not give up on you. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning, and I tell you, we need them every morning. On a, my life is pretty darn good right now, and I still need mercies every morning, guys. Do not make the mistake that Judas made when you fail, when you make a mistake, when you betray Jesus, and not wait one more day so that he can come and save you once again. Uh, if you'd join, stand with me and pray, I'd really appreciate it. Father, we thank you that there are a whole bunch of one more days. Lord, that there are so many one more days that we can't seem to screw up enough to run out of them, Lord. So, Father, I thank you that, Lord, when when we're beginning to sink, you would immediately reach down and save us. Lord, you would immediately rescue us. Father, you would immediately come to us. Father, even though we have lost sight, even though we have looked around and seen that the wind and the waves are rough, Father, that we would not lose heart and that we would not lose faith. Father, but that our expectations of you would remain high because your expectations are high of us, Lord. So, Father, whoever is in here suffering right now, maybe they're beginning to sink. Maybe they're down to their knees or to their thighs. Father, I pray that they would say, save me. Lord, save me once again. Father, we know because you will immediately, just like you did with Peter, reach down and save him, Lord. So, Father, we know that tough times are coming. If they're not tough right now, they'll be tough again someday. And life will be hard. But Father, I just ask that you would, every person in this room, every person that hears this ever, Lord, that they would maintain faith, Lord, that they would continue, press on, that they would find their own truth, and they would seek after you even when times are rough. God, you are such a good God, and we love you for it, and we ask that you would reveal more and more truth to us so that we have more and more ammunition when the things get hot or when time gets tough. And no matter what, Lord, we would always wait one more day. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. All right.